Welcome to Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa, part of the dynamic duo known as Julie and Lisa. And today we bring you another speaker. This is Craig from Primetime LA. Craig? Yeah, Craig Alcoholic. Thank you, Lisa, for being of service and for asking me to come and try to carry this message. Not my message. It's the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. And welcome uh, if you're new. Uh, and welcome if you're not. Uh, because this is a lifelong illness. The big book called it an illness. Um, you know, I had a real, um, I just turned 21 years sober, but don't like, like that seems like, how can that happen? Right. You know, and when I got here, I was so beat up and, you know, I, I was 50, you're, you know, maybe you're a lot younger and you can't relate. It don't matter the age. It's so non-discriminatory it's all addiction alcohol addiction drug addiction whatever there's so many 12-step programs and they all deal with the first half of step one i'm powerless over alcohol i'm powerless over sex i'm powerless over cigarettes i'm powerless over gaming they can all be very deadly um and uh because they when they when it's an obsession like you, you said this is a merciless obsession and it's all about the mind. Um, I got here and I, it was done from an intervention. Um, my parents were worried sick about me uh, and they were alive at the time. Uh, they contacted my son. What I have two sons, one was 20. Yeah, I mean, it all resulted from, I met my childhood sweetheart in 11th grade. Um, we, we, were, we got married eventually, I was faithful. And in her late 40s, in our late 40s, something wasn't enough for her. I don't know, menopause, whatever. But it, it was more my behaviors than my drinking, per se. And um, and she decided I wasn't enough. And I, I felt completely, and I was a church guy. I was, you know, I grew up uh, basically Catholic. And I I, uh, I felt so abandoned by this God. Like, how could you do this? I, I did everything right. But I came to understand that, God gives everybody a free will and gave her a free will and can't accommodate her will for my will. Um, so, um, you know, I, I had a, I started to accept that, but it's what got me to cross the line. You know, there's nothing wrong with drinking. It's the way I drink. And, um, you know, and if you're not sure you're an alcoholic, what it says on page 44 of the big book, and it's the first paragraph of We Agnostics, it says, if you're not sure, if when you sincerely want to, you find you can't quit entirely, or if when drinking, you can't control the amount you drink. That's the one that really, I once I start, I can't stop. Then you're probably an alcoholic. And if that be the case, you suffer from an illness, which only a spiritual experience can conquer. So there's the solution. And only means no other way. So it's a spiritual program of action. And you were talking about this as a newcomer. There's, you know, the solution is that triangle you see, the, 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 the base being the 12 steps of recovery, service, and unity. And when I do that in the day that I'm in, I have a complete day of recovery. And it takes all of them. I can't leave any of it out. The 12 steps get neglected by a lot. Oh, I'll put that off. I'll put that off. But that is... The, the way um, Dr. Silkworth says that basically, you know, we drink because we like the effect. 
And I like, I'm sure you all like the effect produced by alcohol or else we, you know, maybe you don't like the taste. I liked it all. I mean, it was just great. And, and, um, and, and, but, but what happens is we're, we're, we get, we're restless, irritable, and discontented. That's really my disease. Um, restless, irritable, and discontented until I can experience a sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by taking a few drinks. Ah, there it is. You know, I'd wait till happy hour. I'd turn the clocks. I was a Mr. Mom too. My, my ex, you know, she worked in TV business and she would go and I would take care of the kids and, and take them to school. And I got to be a Mr. Mom and hang with the other moms. And, you know, sometimes we'd go over one of the houses and, oh, it's too early to drink. It's ah, it's five o'clock somewhere, you know, or we'd turn the clock around, you know, move it up a couple hours. Who cares? It's just a number. And we'd start drinking. We had a great time. And it was pretty, seemed harmless at the time. I wasn't full blown at that time. I had that potential for sure. But, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, it was, it was a way of life. And I mean, today I see so many people, it's, they look, they live all my ex brother-in-laws and so they, every time you see them, they're at a bar, they have a drink in their hand. It's, it ain't for me to judge anybody. Their life isn't unmanageable from it. That's the second half of step one. There's a dash. Now I belong to a group called prime time and we look at it a little, we look at it and, and this can help you too, if you knew, because it's about the thinking as well. You know, we, we find out in the big book, it says our liquor was but a symptom. So we had to get down to causes and conditions. So there's that dash in the, in the first step. I'm powerless over alcohol dash. And it's called an M dash. It's a bit, it's the size of an M instead of an N. And, and it has some functions. It's got like a, a double entendre to it because it allows the two statements to connect. So I got here because my life became very unmanageable from my powerlessness over alcohol. I thought that was the problem. I didn't realize that alcohol was my solution. That alcohol enabled me to live in this world where I could never live before. So what am I going to do now? Because once I drink, I can't stop. That's the phenomenon of craving. It's an allergy. It's an adverse reaction produced. For us alcoholics, they have found out more information that there's an enzyme in us, in our pancreas and and in our liver that metabolizes this enzyme called acetate. And for a normal person, they can't handle more. Like, it, it rejects the body, but not for us. We crave it. So there's actually a physical difference. The uh, You know, uh, none of us like to admit we're bodily and mentally different than our fellows. But that the dash allows you could, the first half is about the drinking on power silver alcohol. The second half that my life is unmanageable. In prime time, we look at the thinking because this disease centers in my mind. And so what we have is the front end. We have alcoholism, ego, and self. Now, alcoholism is I incredibly short memory, I self, me, all these acronyms. But uh, we alcoholics are extreme examples of a self-will run riot, though we usually don't think so. So extreme is the key word. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with alcohol. It's just, I drink it extremely. 
I have a real high tolerance and I can mix it and do all this. And, and, uh, but it produces, uh, you know, I'm fortunate. I never had a, a DUI. I, I didn't get any, uh, any kind of, uh, those ramifications, but, you know, I did, uh, you know, it took a family intervention to get me some help. Uh, I, I didn't know I was treating depression. And, you know, for 36 years, you know, I had gone to a party in uh, 1970 and left in 2002, you know, whatever, 1969 or whatever the time. You know, I grew up with the Beatles, everything they did, we did, you know, and but it, one thing led to another, and I just found it as, as a way of life. You know, I couldn't differentiate the truth from the false. To me, my alcoholic life was the only normal one. I had no coping mechanism. And thank God for it, because it gave me a way to cope. I was always nervous. I was always worrying at school as a kid, afraid to go. You know, I was one of the first kids with long hair. You wouldn't believe it now. But when the Beatles came out, I had to sit on the principal's desk and and music was I was in the music career I I, I was a recording artist on Warner Brothers, in nineteen eighty had an album and then a, a kind of a top twenty record in nineteen eighty two on CBS and some you know little bit of notoriety and I got into the background as an engineer and a producer and a musician and that kind of thing, and none of it worked out like I wanted it to, and probably for the better God had a plan because most people that do succeed they can't hit a bottom. And we've lost many people like, you know, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Elvis Presley, you name I mean, there's just a whole handful. They had everything you could ever want, but still wasn't enough. And so this alcoholism, um, it's the way I perceive things, too. It's a disease of perception. And for most alcoholics, um, you know, we have everyone has an ego. But alcoholics, and there's, there was a Dr. Harry Tebow. We study this in our prime time. Matter of fact, I did a meeting for three years. I started the Zoom meetings when the pandemic happened. And a gal named Astrid's doing it now. We had another gal, Texas T, who I believe is going to speak for you. And uh, she does great work. But this Dr. Harry M. Tebow, when the big book came out, he had a, a female client, Marty Mann, who could not get sober. She was hopeless. And he gave her that big book and she rejected it at first. But then, you know, after getting worse, she picked it up and something happened and she started to go to meetings. She started to go to church. She stayed sober a very, very long time. And he was intrigued. And there was another person, too. So he started him and other people started to study alcoholics, not for the differences, but for the similarities. And you'll see this even mentioned in the 12 and 12. And what they found is we are indeed very childish and you know, there's all these traits, these, these, and it's derived from Freudian, uh, his majesty, the baby, king, baby, I'm the king. And you all need to listen to me. If only you would listen to me, everything would be fine. It's like page 60 to 63. I'm, I'm the actor, I'm the writer, I'm the producer, and I'm always trying to run a show. I think I can rest satisfaction out of life. If only I manage well, and it don't go, I exert myself even more, man. That is such a frustrating way to live. Um, uh, you know, I tend to be a control freak. Not anymore. I, I've learned my lesson. Um, and so, you know, I have to see that I have this this ego. I tolerate frustration poorly. I don't like to hear the word no. Uh, I'm always in a hurry. 
impatient. I'm very impatient. And these traits uh, are really something. And we study, you start to see yourself. And it's like, man, I didn't realize. I knew I, now ego don't, ego doesn't mean I'm better than, like, oh, I'm the greatest thing. No, it also means I'm the worst thing. Ego is edging God out. I'm never one with anyone. I can never be a drunk among drunks. I drink more than you. I drink less than, you know, um, it, 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 it's when I'm feeling down with myself. And that's if you're sober and you're feeling down and lost that way, you know, this is part of our journey because the pain is the touchstone to all spiritual progress. This is this this program on the front of the 12 and 12. It says AA's 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which if practiced as a way of life can expel the obsession to drink, but also for us in prime time, the obsession to think the way we do and enable you and I, the sufferer, to become happily usefully whole. Because I always used to be like, hey God, how come I can't feel like good like this if I'm not drinking or whatever? And God said, you can. But it takes some effort. And I have to see what I'm up against here. Because alcoholism is a disease of perception. So I have this alcoholism, I have this ego, and it's combined with self-obsession and selfishness, self selfishness, self-centeredness. That is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes seeming without provocation, but at some time in the past, I've made decisions based on me, which later placed me in a position to be hurt. And if you look at your life, you'll see that, yeah, I always wanted something. I wasn't getting something. And I found that every expectation I have, and I have a lot of them. You should behave this way. I hold the door open for you. You better thank the king because otherwise you're going to get a big F you from me or you're welcome. And, um, and today I can laugh at it, you know, like, cause my mind still <laughs> says that I'll hold the door and they go, Oh, there it is. Don't they see, but you know, everybody's in their own world. I cut people slack today. I don't need to be right. And what a better way to live. So, it says the selfishness, we must get rid of it. We must, or it kills us. And God makes that possible. Now, if you have a problem with the word God, it's just a word. You know, one God is the God of Abraham. One God might be uh, Krishna. One, might, You know, this is non-denominational here. So don't let the word scare you. Good orderly direction, group of drunks, gift of desperation. But what it is in Bill W. on page 46 he, you know, first off on 45, he says, lack of power, that was our dilemma. And if we were to live, we had to find a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how were we to find his power? Well, that's what the main object of the big book was about. Its main object was to enable you and I to find a power greater than ourselves that would solve our problem, not our drinking problem. I'm the problem. I've misused my free will. This is the fall of man. It's the, the theme behind Adam and Eve. They chose the tree of knowledge over the tree of life. They had the garden of Eden. It wasn't enough. That's human nature. It's not a historical document. I do these. Today, I'm doing an Emmett Fox meeting at 1 p.m. California time, and it's called Alter Your Life. And uh, uh, yesterday, I did Sermon on the Mount, which Emmett Fox is where our program is really derived from because 
Bill W. and Dr. Bob loved this guy. He came out with Sermon on the Mount, and he used to speak in New York in front of 5,000 people every week. He's from Ireland originally, but he breaks down the Bible, not literally. It's all metaphysics. It's all parables, metaphors. It's written allegorically, and he's a historian, and it it breaks it down for your life. Uh, and everything is a fourth-dimensional application instead of a three-dimensional. When you read the Bible literally, you're getting a fragment of what it's trying, because it's trying to give you symbolism of life uh, teachings and human nature. So I've been studying this for a long time. It's revolutionized my life, and we have a lot of people. The same thing has happened. We're all on a journey together. So um, Emmett Fox, uh, so Bill and Bob loved him, and, and I would say the big book, when it came out, they stopped using it because Bill incorporated a lot into the big book. It was this Oxford group's original six steps. And then when Bill wrote chapter five, it, it came out in 1939, they stopped de depending on Sermon on the Mount and the Bible and this, and they used the big book and incorporated a lot, especially steps 10, continue to watch. And we're continuing to watch and, and promptly admit when we're wrong. And we watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment and fear. I'll get to that in a little bit if I have time. It's amazing. 45 minutes sounds like a lot of time, but I have passion for this. I'm all up here. It's 4 a.m. in, in uh, California. And you know what? I, I didn't get to bed early. I, I was on with two different um, people who were out, women. I sponsor men and women all around the world. I've taken hundreds of people through the steps. And just in the past few years, because I have a method that's precise, it's simple, it goes through the big book, but I do it for the thinking as well. Because my thinking is the problem. You know, page 24, it says, for reasons yet obscure, we have lost the power of choice in drink. And we're without defense against the first drink. But you can put thinking wherever you see drinking. And we do that. And I'm without defense against the first thing. Because the guy that poured whiskey in his milk, it was actually a milkshake, but he poured whiskey in his milk. That wasn't, that was his thinking. Something told him that he could pour milk, you know, and whiskey together and, or have a second sandwich. Or that he could even go to that diner in the first place where they sell alcohol, you see. He wasn't spiritually fit. So this, and today it's the thinking, I'm not obsessing on alcohol today, though I can, believe me. You know, I, I, I don't I, I don't drink or drug anymore, but 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 because my life is too good and too many people depend on me. And I have a strong relationship with this power greater than myself. And I was on that subject, if you have a problem, because I'm jumping around here a little bit. I'm excited. I get a little ADD. I I want to tell you it all right now. And I but so so what Bill says about that power, because he says, and now we're going to talk about God. And, you know, people's faces say, yeah, I drink too. Yeah, I like alcohol. And then we say, it's a God program. Now their faces frown because it reminds them of something they didn't like, all the prejudices from maybe being taken to church and not agreeing with, you know. So I grew up, I was indoctrinated in, in religion, but today I'm very spiritual. And what Bill says about this God on page 46 is you don't need to believe in anybody else's concept of God. Your own concept, however inadequate, is sufficient to make the approach. We want to start somewhere because we need a power greater than ourselves to overcome 
the drinking. You see, in step one, I'm powerless. I give up. I surrender. What do I do? I have to come to believe. That a power. It doesn't even say inner power. That a power greater than me. I didn't know I was a power. See, that's what I found out in prime time. A power greater than me could restore me to sanity, which is defined as soundness of mind. Definitely the stuff I was doing out there, driving drunk. I mean, God, it's amazing. I didn't hurt anybody, kill anybody. Uh, you know, like fall asleep at the wheel. I mean, I have some drunk logs and we don't get into it at prime time. You, I'm sure, look, we all know how to drink here. We all know how to get, you know, whatever it is. But the solution is what it's about. And so what I have to do is open my mind up in step two and consider the possibility of some kind of, he calls it a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things. I really like that. It's very scientific. It sounds like Neil deGrasse Tyson or something, although Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't believe in any form of a deity of any kind. But there is the forces of the universe, the spirit of the universe. And I love that. And uh, a creative intelligence. It's very creative. You know, today, today's theoretical physicists call it intelligent design. And that used to be what religion called it, you know. And But it is. There's the precise immutable laws of physics, all the, the fine tuning of the universe for us to be here talking about it. It's, it, it's no coincidence. They can't yet the quantum level, even it's like they, they can't quite figure out what all this is as great as science is. It's so undescribable. And so, you know, Emmett Fox says that the word fear didn't mean what we think it means, like a God-fearing man. What fear means is reverence. It means awe and wonder. That was the true definition of it back when it was in the Bible. So I like that. I have awe and reverence for creation, for whatever this creator is. And I don't look at it as a human because that would limit it. I mean, Fox, it's, it's got all these aspects, seven main aspects of God in its life. Think about how precious life is. There's nowhere else that we have found it in this vast, just even in our solar system, but in the whole universe so far. I'm sure there is with the trillions of galaxies and stuff. Life, love, spirit, soul, intelligence, truth, and God is principle. God doesn't need to punish. God set up laws. And what I've learned from doing Emmett Fox, there is so much karma. In, in the 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 Bible, uh, well, in the Jesus teaching, and this is, I'm not trying to get into religion right now, but karma is an amazing law. It's so fair. You reap what you sow, and you reap it in the same measure that you sow it. And it comes back, but it can also be you reap good. So the idea with the, the message is to, my thinking has to be right. Check your thinking. Uh, if you're you're judging me negatively right now, welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous, because that's what I always did. I use my free will to have opinions, and they're usually not good ones. I'm usually, you know, and because alcoholism and ego likes to separate me from everyone else. Like I said, I'm, I'm either better or I'm worse. I'm never one with. I'm never a worker among workers. I'm never a drunk among drunks or just another child of God, no better, no worse. And so, I, you know, when I get this idea of what, what I'm up against, um, you know, there's all these principles. A principle is a truth. It's a law. It's doctrine. It's always been true. It will always be true. 
A mathematical principle is one plus one equals two. A straight line is the shortest distance between any two points. This has been proven. Water seeks its own level. Uh, on the planet Earth, the principle of gravity, and it varies on different planets or, or the moon and, and in different places even, you know, and time and things like that. But these are spiritual principles. Like I said, once we grasp the true nature of them, it's up to us to put them into practice and start to get some results. Uh, and and once you get some results, you start to have a God of your own experience, whatever it may be. You can start with whatever. I mean, I started with my childhood God, you know, God, the one that we all, you know, think either you, you know, you're, you're with or you're not. <clears throat> but I, I now it's expanded into, and what Bill W. says is on page 55 is deep down in every one of us is the fundamental idea of God that word and the great reality and he capitalizes great reality which represents god the great reality it is only there that he may be found and it was so with us don't let the pronouns bother you he she it something there is no proper pronoun to describe god it's not a gender if anything it's a father mother you know mother earth father god and you know whatever it is that caused creation it's beyond me. I don't need to know that stuff. I'm having enough trouble just living where I am. You know, so I have some nice tools that AA gives me. If you're new and you're struggling, again, don't don't fight the struggle. There's some principles. First off, you know, I can never drink again successfully. Just know that. The first step in recovery is to fully concede to your innermost self that you're an alcoholic. Now, that don't mean you're not going to drink because it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And I have recovered in the day I'm in. Right now, I feel very recovered. I love speaking and trying to carry this message. That's my request in step 12. I have had a spiritual awakening as the result of taking these 12 steps. But tomorrow, I won't have it if I don't continue to practice this program. It's a daily reprieve. So I have to know that. And I have to understand there's a principle in the 12 and 12. Until I accept my devastating weakness and all its consequences, until I so humble myself to this fact, my sobriety will be precarious. And of real happiness, there will be none at all. Whoa, that really shook me to the core. I didn't come here to be miserable, man. You know, uh, uh, and some people do. They, they drink again, which is to die, or they take their own lives. This is a serious, serious illness. And I've had so many people lately... <clears throat> that have long-term sobriety that have gone out. It scares me. So I take it very seriously. But here's the thing. I have a life beyond my wildest dreams because it's not contingent on stuff. It's the way I feel about what I have. And it's the way I feel about, and it's my realization that this power, this God, this loving, creative intelligence that I'm a child of, I'm entitled and Emmett Fox uses these kind of words. And if this might be too much for some people that are atheist or agnostic, but I, I've come to believe in a loving father spirit of the universe that wants only what's best for me. And being a child of that, I'm entitled to the inheritance that is due me. This God wants only what's best. It's not a punishing God. God doesn't send trouble our way. We do. 
he, it says in the big book on page 133, avoid the deliberate manufacture of misery. But when trouble does come, cheerfully capitalize it on a way to demonstrate God's omnipotence. Again, God being the power that's deep down within me. It's within you. There's a God within you that you have to talk to. If I pray to outer space, it's so distant, I can't relate to it. But I allow, and this God, what I learned in, uh, from my first sponsor in primetime, <clears throat> who's no longer with us, is that this God will never take your free will without your full consent. That's why in step three, and what it says in the 12 and 12, our whole problem had been the misuse of free will. And it is the fall of man. It's the symbolism of Adam and Eve. It's, no one was there to describe Adam and Eve. If you're a biblical literalist, Okay, but there was no one. It's a story representing human nature. And we're just like that today. I always want more. The gardening, I need that. And it wasn't even an apple. It, it was, a, you know, a tree, but whatever it was. But but we chose knowledge. We wanted to know instead of the tree of life where I'm just provided for. And that symbolism of the Garden of Eden, that garden is still there. And what I found is we're all entitled to be kings of our own kingdom and the kingdom of heaven right here right now it's not when we die it's a state of mind i know i was in literal hell when i was out there and i can be in literal hell sober if i'm manufacturing misery creating trouble in my mind so it could be over romance it could be over finance you know we have three major instincts uh security which is the money the roof over my head the food on the table uh there's uh sex and reproduction and companionship and man they're, they're they're brutal and then there's a societal instinct i want to be someone i want you to all love me but and that's a healthy and these are god-given for survival but we alcoholics have exceeded their intended purpose more than anyone and now they've become instead of assets for existence they've become liabilities and one defect of character produces another and most of our defects uh, are caused by self-centered fear it's the chief activator of all our defects so why am i talking about this this doesn't sound like drinking because the liquor was but a symptom and i have to see the nature of who i am i'm a very selfish i only want what i want i want it now i want it here now and i will not settle for anything less and some people seem to succeed that way I can't live that way anymore. I'm tired of pushing and shoving. I had to, you know, drop the rock. I let go and I let this power. So in step one, I, I, I surrender because what do I do? I don't have the power and I don't know how to, to do it. So I come to believe in step two. It rockets me in the step two because I have nowhere to go. And I start to practice coming to believe. There's only one question. And this is a simple one on page 47. Do I now believe? Maybe you don't. Or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity, soundness of mind? I, you know, when I'm angry and I'm on that road and I'm stark raving sober, I'm chasing you down because you cut me off and I will go to jail to prove I'm right. And I, I want to teach you how to drive. I want to pull you out of the car and smack you around a little. You know, I have anger issues. Not today, though. No, I just want you to know the world is a much safer place because I've taken the steps and I understand. But, uh, uh, you know, 
so, you know, hopefully you, you see some of yourself in this and, and can get honest because it's about grasping and developing a manner which demands rigorous honesty. How it works is how it works, recovery. And it is a program of recovery. You know, uh, what the original chapter five says, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our directions. It's a set of instructions how to operate an op- alcoholic. Unfortunately, so it's a program of success if I thoroughly follow this path. Unfortunately, those that do not recover, which is a great majority initially, it, because today we have a lot of younger people. They're not sure what they're up against. Maybe you have a DUI. You're just trying to comply and get the courts off your back. And we don't know what we're really up against because alcoholism is progressive. It's it's over any considerable period of time. I get worse and ever better. And, and, and I have to know that today at 21 years, my mind, if I let up, I, I could, and if I drank, God forbid, I would pick up right where I was. It, it doesn't matter. But my thinking can go back to that old angry driver too. I can be very judgmental. So I've learned to watch in step, in prime time, we watch in step one. My awareness of my nature is so important. Am I behaving like this? Do I have this alcoholism? Do I have this ego? Am I self-obsessed? Yeah, I'm all I ever think about. I may not be very much, but I'm all I ever think about. I can't help it. But today, and we can never get rid of self, and we don't want to, but there's a higher self, a self that will consider seeking to comfort rather than to be comforted. See, I can't do that. These are principles, and where there is hatred, I may bring love. I mean, I can't bring real love. I have conditions, you know, I need something back. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. No, today I, I'm a giver. And, and and that's where I feel whatever God is. I feel God's love work through me. And hopefully you're feeling it work through me and it's going to you. And that'll pass on. It's like a, a, a chain reaction. So in step two, I make, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I come to believe and I practice this. I said, yeah, I'm willing, but I need to go further and I need to keep practicing and I do it every day to this day so that I can make a decision in step three to turn my will, which is what I want and what I do with it, my willpower. And I don't, I'm, I'm pretty much a will not. Most of us are defined as well. Hell. I, I won't do it just to spite you because I'm defined. You know, don't tell me to do no four step. You know, I hated that four step. I, it, uh, I, I put the four step on my four step because nobody's going to make me do a book report or whatever. I hated them in school, you know, and it's funny because. You know, but today I do it because I love it and I like to get honest with myself. No one wants to be criticized. This is why we have sponsors that can see because self can't initially reveal self to self. I've bullshitted myself my whole life. I have I have self-deceived and self-rationalized all my errant nonsense. And alcoholics are the best at blaming others. Yeah, I did that because you did this. If you didn't do this, I wouldn't, have, you know, it doesn't matter. And, you know, there's a there's an axiom on page 90 of the 12 and 12. Every time I'm disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's something wrong with me. Well, that sounds kind of harsh, right? But the thing is, I'm the one that's disturbed. To the precise extent that I permit it, do I squander the hours? So it's okay to get upset. It's okay to get a resentment, but this is why we have 10 steps. Resentments are the number one offender. They destroy more alcoholics than anything. And so 
we saw the hopelessness of futility uh, uh, of living a life which includes deep resentments. So like I said, to the precise extent that we permit it, do we squander the hours that could have been spent worthwhile? I don't know about you, but I squandered a majority of my life worrying, in fear, angry, retaliatory resentment. My mind was just filled. And what Emmett Fox says is our thoughts are things. And our things are thoughts. Our thinking produces our outer experience. That's quite a powerful thing. So I better watch what I'm thinking. It's not just do unto others as you'd have them do unto you and treat others as you'd have them treat you. That's the golden rule. That's beautiful. But how about I think of others as would have them think of me? How about blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy? Again, it's karma. If I'm merciful, I'll get it. But I need to be merciful in my thoughts too because I can be all nice. Oh, it's so good to see you. And then in my my subconscious, I'm trashing you. Or when I get away from you, I'm talking crap about you. I'm sick of being that hypocrite. So what this being an alcoholic has done is helped me to become a better person, to get along with my fellows, to live a life not full of, to recognize when I'm resentful and have a 10-step, a, a treatment for it. I have to treat my disease every day. It's kind of like diabetes. And I've, I'm borderline. I just, you know, I have to watch all that. But it's a daily, like for a full-blown diabetic, he's fine if he takes his insulin every day, he or her. And alcoholism is treatable in the day I'm in. I have to practice this, these principles on my first. It's a daily reprieve, contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual program. But I can't just maintain. I need to enlarge it. And, and there's so many promises that come along that when you do the work, you get them. So in step three, I make a decision to turn my will, what I told you about, and my life. My life is me, who I really am, the nature of my being. Um, at Not my living. My living is part of my life, but we confuse our job. I am not my job. I'm not my car. I'm not, you know, my spouse. I'm not any of that. They're just parts of uh of my exist of my experience what's important is the integrity of my soul so i make that decision and in prime time we we practice abc one two three the abc alcoholism ego and self and you can really and it's building up a relationship with this god but um i need to when i really make the decision i'm saying i'm going to go further because there's a joke uh there's four birds on a telephone line Three of them decide to fly away. How many flew away? And everyone says, you know, four or something. Or one, uh, you know, there's one left. No, there's still four on the line because they only decided to fly away. You know, I decided I'm going to go on a trip. But if I don't book it and go, I'm, I'm not going. I just made a decision. So to prove my decision, we do this third step prayer. And we're offering ourselves to whatever God is to you. God, I offer myself to you to thee, to build with me, and to do with me as you would have me do. Relieve me of the bondage of self so that I can better do your will, which is to help your kids. And take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of your power, love, and way of life. And most importantly, may I do your will always. And so, and I do this as a contract, as, a, as a, an agreement, not just as a prayer. 
because I want everyone to know how serious it is. And then I'm going to follow through with the fourth step, which is a written inventory, who I resent, who I've wronged, all my fears, my my behavior and sex conduct. Was I selfish, um, inconsiderate, dishonest? Did I arouse jealousy, suspicion, and bitterness? What could I have done better? There's a sex ideal. What would I like it to look like? My behavior and this and that. And then we get together in step five and we, 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 we uh, admit to God, ourselves, and another human being, the exact nature of these wrongs, the fifth step. And it's a form back in the six steps of Oxford Group. It was confession. But this is much more. A good sponsor can do some. Um, um, thank you very much. A, a good sponsor can can do a little psychological work and t- call out your defects. And and in the big book, we go home for one hour and six and seven, we, we meditate. And then we move on to eight, nine, and we're willing. See, the beautiful thing about the steps is I can correct my whole, we are the fortunate ones, alcohol, because we really have to do this. If you don't take the steps, you're probably going to drink. But if, if you don't, you're going to be miserable. You don't want to be a dry drunk. They have this. You want to be someone that's comfortable in your own skin. So in eight and nine, we get to make right the wrongs of our past. So in four, the most important thing is to forgive everyone. People don't realize that the writing is important, but I need to forgive everyone. And what I do is I, I bless them, basically, instead of asking to forgive them for two weeks. It's on page 552. May they all have health, happiness and prosperity and everything I wish for myself be given to them as well. Amen. And even if you don't want it, it says, even if you don't really mean it, do it anyway for two weeks and you will come to mean it. And it really has worked really well. And so by step nine, I've 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 corrected the, the my past. I've righted the wrongs. I've forgiven. I've seen who I really am and cut out the bullshit of, you know, thinking I'm all good if, if I didn't whatever to drink or whatever. And now I can walk free. And, you know, there's these promises, like in the fifth step promises, I can look the world in the eye. I can be alone at perfect peace and ease. My fears fall from me. I'm, and if you weren't sure about God, we may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. And 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 we can walk hand in hand on the broad highway, you know, and it's just beautiful. And then the nine step promises come. And, you know, you, you, they all come true. Plus, it's not about getting Mercedes Benzes and whatever. It's not about the material. It's about how you feel. It's about your outlook, your perception changes. You find gratitude for what you have. And then in 10, I continue to look. The first nine steps are in 10. I don't have enough time to go into it. But I, we, we continue to take personal inventory. And when we're wrong, we promptly admitted. Keyword is promptly. And, you know, I've been given a new sweater, but I'm sitting around the fireplace of life and the embers are going to land on it. If I brush it off right away, no harm done. But I sit there and look, look at that ember. That's just like a resentment. It's burning my sweater. And the idea is to, it's like a fatigue lands on your arm. If you brush it off right away, no harm done. But if it digs its way and it becomes much harder to remove. So I'm squandering more time and it and it's harder to get rid of. So I do it right away, promptly. We ask God at once to remove it. We discuss it with someone immediately. We make an amends if we have harmed anyone, you see. And then we turn our thoughts to someone else. And then step 11, I continue. Uh, uh, I I sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God. 
as I understood him. It's understood. I don't understand. I'll never understand. It's understood as I continue to come to believe in step two. I'm always practicing, learning more, keeping an open mind. And so there's so many instructions in step 11 in the big book. Uh, it's not just prayer meditation. It's that when I retire at night, I do an inventory. I review my day uh, on awakening. I ask God to direct my thinking because I have to do it first thing. If I don't start my program first thing, I don't have a program. That's what I learned. And so I ask God to direct my thinking. I give him permission that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. Now I can employ my mental faculties with assurance. For after all, God did give, give us brains to use. And there's just all kinds of examples of what to do when you get stuck. And, and, and then here I am in step 12. I've had that spiritual waking. I'm here trying to carry this message. This is not my message. This is the message of recovery, the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. Everything is from our literature. You know, there's a lot of opinions. And then most importantly, I practice these principles in all my affairs, not just my outer affairs, my thought affairs, because let's face it, it's all about a thought life. Nothing is either good or bad. It's thinking that makes it so. That's Shakespeare. And so I better really pay attention to what's on my mind. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for letting me try. <laughs> I, I, it helps me re stay in recovery and find the God of my uh, understanding. So thank you very much. Thanks, Lee. Thank you, Craig, for joining us from Primetime LA. Craig can be found online. Many other speaker tapes are available at www.primetimeisnow.com. Check it out. And thanks for checking us out in our speaker series podcast. I'm Lisa of Two Sober Chicks.